Well, welcome back to Sex and Couples Therapy with the Happy Ending Therapist. I'm Donna Harris-Richards, LICSW and Certified Sex Therapist. I'm here today with Vicki, and our podcast today is being called Slow Down to Gain Ground. So, Vicki, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I had a lot of fun in our last podcast on anxiety. I did too. Good. And, you know, today is, uh, today's subject is related in that, um, especially with what's going on in the world with this pandemic, uh, I think there's this extra layer of stress for folks. So I'm always kind of checking in with myself and um, folks around me and my clients about, you know, their, their self-care routine and how they're doing with that. I know last time I spoke with you, you were taking a break out in your hammock in the sun. And I thought that was fantastic. And you were also working out there too. So I thought, good for her. <laughs> so, <laughs> I so try to do, you... do that every day. It's nice. Good, good. So is that part of your kind of self-care routine a bit? It is. Uh, being in the sun really makes me happy. So just being able to sit out there when the weather is nice, it brings a little normalcy to everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I love to be outside as well. Um, anything else you do for self-care? I think, I, did I hear you mention uh, baking I've, and some other things? <laughs> I've been doing a lot of gardening. Ooh. I learned how to make bread. I like <gasps> projects to keep my mind going and learn something new. So I've been doing a lot of little projects here and there. What about you? Beautiful. Um, I'm walking a lot. Uh, that really helps. Um, and sitting in the sun and tulip watching is my new favorite pastime. Although the tulips are gone at this point. So (laughs) we're lilac watching now (laughs) waiting for our lilac bush to come. That's stubborn thing. Uh, but yeah, stuff like that. Um, and just sort of always thinking about what to be grateful for. Uh, you know, the sun is shining, the weather is beautiful today. So I try to focus on that simple stuff. So, um, you know, when, I, when I'm thinking about, when I was thinking about today's topic, uh, you know, slow down to gain ground, of course, self-soothing comes to mind, all the, the stuff that we should all be doing for optimal health, like, you know, things we just talked about, exercising, eating well, um, maintaining social connections is so important, um, you know, setting up routine, engaging in hobbies like you are, you know, having fun, um, engaging in pleasure like sex. Of course, I'm always thinking about that as a sex therapist. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and this idea of, of slowing down to gaining to gain ground, I mean, it's, it's a good idea in terms of, of how to self-soothe and manage our anxiety. But what I focus on, because I see so many couples, um, and that's the work that I love, is this idea of self-soothing while we are also in relationship. So this is, uh, this is the trick. Um, you know, how do we take care of ourselves and uh, take care of our relationships at the same time? So this is, there's this idea of, you know, individual anxiety, uh, and then there's relational anxiety. So um, self-soothing as a way of coping better in relationship is really key, really important. Um, and the next podcast, just on that note, I'm going to be talking about uh, how neuroscience is connected in sex and couples therapy and how we can begin to understand how our brains work, which uh, really affects how, how we can make change. 
um, so that we don't take these things so personally and understand how normal conflict is, you know, in relationship. Absolutely. So, um, you know, there's this idea of kind of slowing down and pulling back from our feelings to gain some objectivity. Um, you know, I, I talk with couples a lot how feelings are important because they're kind of the clues to what we need, but they're not as important as we think they are. Um, and so, you know, we have to sort of pay attention to them like they are the wind in our sail, but we have to use our prefrontal cortex to tact. So the wind is like the emotions and the sail is like the prefrontal cortex, which helps us to um, sort of initiate change, if you will. Um, you know, it's kind of like, it's also like, I, I like to think about metaphors a lot, like the car, you know, our, our engine, when our engine runs, um, it's sort of our autonomic nervous system, which is sort of running uh, naturally, but steering is the thing, right? That's the prefrontal cortex. That's the choice part. So we have to put energy into that. Um, you know, if we, if we just let the, the car steer itself naturally, we'd probably get in an accident. <laughs> or if we let the, the ship steer the, the sail naturally, you know, we'd, we'd crash up on a rock somewhere. So, you know, there's this, right. idea, <laughs> there's this idea that when couples say to me, well, you know, shouldn't my partner's reaction to love me the way I want to be loved come naturally? I say, well, no. Because it's just like those metaphors, the, the sailboat and the car. You know, if, if we want something different, we have to put in energy and do something different. Like your garden, Vicky, right? It's not, it's not growing itself. I mean, you're, you're putting in, in a lot of effort to make that happen. How do you help couples that are so ingrained in that idea or that myth that, you know, if, if my partner loved me, this would just happen? Well, um, yeah, so, so first of all, I tell them it is a myth, um, and that's often a surprise. Um, and to bust the myth, um, you know, I, I do talk about how the brain works in the neuroscience, and I help them to understand that they are often in survival mode, um, that they are when they're thinking in this way, I want them to change their expectation. I want them to understand, first of all, that it doesn't come naturally. Um, and that can be a shock. Um, and then quickly, I think people understand it. But then to your point, how do they change it? So so the change requires effort. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like to tell uh, stories. There, there's this book. Um, called 101 Things I Wish I Knew When I Got Married by Linda and Charlie Bloom. They're, they're two therapists, and unfortunately, they, they had a son who died at 18. He got in a car accident. Um, so they literally made their relationship work through the hardest thing I think a couple can experience, the death of a child. And um, Linda tells a story in Chapter 100 of 101 Chapters. <laughs> about how she was faced with this decision that she had to make, although she didn't even know what was happening at the time. You know, all she could do was see red. She was really upset with her husband. Um, the, 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 the problem was that he wanted to go, they both wanted to go away for the weekend, but he wanted to go away with their children and she wanted to go away alone. 
So after quite a bit of intense disagreeing, arguing, fighting, whatever you want to call it, um, she described her process of sort of holding on to herself, of uh, sort of quieting herself down and soothing herself in the process, like tying herself to the mast of a ship where she had to make herself stay there with such force and such effort and get herself to sort of breathe through it and figure out how what she wanted for her relationship rather than herself. So this idea that what what she came to eventually was that she said to herself, okay, we'll go away, but I'll propose to him that we go away one time with the children and one time alone, and I'm not going to worry about which comes first. You know, as long as we get to do both, we both win or we each win. So it goes right. back to this idea that I talk a lot about with the win-win with couples rather than compromise. I don't know if I talked about that. We talked that about the, that last time. Yeah, the yellow house, red house idea <laughs> where, yeah. you know, compromise is, is both settling and painting it orange and then nobody gets what they want, right? So what she right. decided in her mind was to just to put in so much effort and force that uh, they had to come up with, with a win for each of them. And that win was one weekend with the kids, one weekend alone. Um, and I'm not going to worry about which comes first, as long as we each get what we want. So do you think, yeah, do you think communication plays a role in making those things happen in a way where it seems naturally, but it, it might just be because the, there's a lot of open communication between the the couple? For what you say, there are some people, I think, that might say, well, it does come naturally to us, but maybe it only comes naturally because they have that open communication. So they're, they're talking so much about the things that they enjoy that it seems natural, but it's not natural. I think those, those folks, um, are they, are they coming to therapy? Because <laughs> they might not need it. Well, that's all right. That's a good point. Okay. All right. Never mind. Skip no. it. Just go back into what you wanted no, to say. No, no, no. It's a, no, it's a good question. I mean, I think that well, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that because people come to couples therapy for different reasons. They don't always come for communication. They might come because they're having issues with uh, how to settle a problem with in-laws or how to settle a problem around some financial stuff. I guess it does go back to communication, Vicki. So to your point, how to hold on to yourself. So this is a David Schnark idea. David Schnark wrote a book called The Secrets of a Passionate Marriage. And I have that listed on my website. And he talks about the de developing the solid, flexible self, which is this idea of holding on to ourselves, kind of standing up for who we are and what we believe in while being flexible at the same time, because there's another person in the relationship. So this is something that we can develop. Um, and the, really the only way to develop it is doing it with your partner. So this idea of slowing down to gain ground is complicated. Um, it's complicated because it's not easy, but it is simple in that if we, there is a few things I like to, a few strategies I like to give couples, which is sort of um, zipping the lip, right? So take a pause stop when you are feeling like you're not being heard or you're feeling like you're be, you, you need to be right rather than be happy um so we get we slow we can slow the process down with our partner uh i help couples do what i call reflective listening rather than reactive listening 
where we literally, I will actually ask couples, please don't talk right now, if that's okay with you, while I'm talking to your partner, because the partner has to feel safe. So this is actually a metaphor for the relationship, if you will, in that they can learn to do this themselves. They can learn to create this safe space because if we don't, and I'm going to talk about this in the next podcast, if we're just doing what comes naturally, we're often, when we feel vulnerable, going right into survival mode. And we go in, when we go into survival mode, we go into kind of attack mode. And then things escalate quickly. And so we have to pull back, get a grip on ourselves, literally, take a breath, take a pause, zip the lip, whatever it might be. Um, there is this idea, uh, it's a John Gottman idea about DPA in the brain. When we start to escalate, we have what's called diffuse physiological arousal. And it usually takes about 20 minutes or so to take a break and then you know come back to the conversation. But we really need to take a break to get that DPA chemical to reduce so we can be a little bit more rational in our communication. And thinking to your to your point about pleasure, couples who focus on pleasure, that's I think a lot of that is is thinking relationally, which I want. I want them thinking about what's fun, what's enjoyable, what feels good together. Right. Instead of that like fight or flight response of we're having an argument. <laughs> Yes. And, and where, where I can be helpful to couples is, is the fight or flight comes in when you start to feel vulnerable. You know, when, when your partner touches something in you, um, like maybe in that example for, uh, you know, Linda and Charlie Bloom, I don't remember if she talked about her own individual psychology or history, but something got touched in her around, um, not getting her way or not getting enough attention from her partner, which I think left her feeling upset, you know, which is understandable. And again, very normal. Um, So again, this idea that when we feel vulnerable, oh, you know, we quickly go into survival mode. And what I want to help couples with is to go from survival mode to arrival mode. Um, And, and what I mean by that, and it may be that I talk more about that next time, uh, is is just uh, getting out of our own way. Understand that the the brain is um, set up for self protection and survival. You know, and and we don't have to be in survival mode with our partners. You know, we can relax a little bit um, as long as we know there's a commitment there. So just to talk a little bit more about uh, schnark for a minute, you know, other ways of slowing down to gain ground are, for example, you know, giving our dilemmas meaning. What do you mean by that? So it's related to changing the story or the or the expectation that we buy into, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the happily ever after myth. Um, There really is no happily ever after. (laughs) We love the idea because it feels good. Um, it, w- it would be like happily ever garden or, you know, happily ever, <laughs> you know, figuring out how to be a great athlete. I mean, it just requires work. I mean, anything we want requires work. So so giving our dilemmas meaning means that we can take what's what um, uh, what's upsetting us um, and we can begin to think about it differently. So. If you know, for example, that, you know, your father was controlling um, and you don't want to be like that with your partner because it's not working, you can start to see that um, 
you can change so that you're not so controlling. You're, you'll be more in, in integrity with yourself. Um, you'll be a, a happier human being because you'll, you'll be engaging in an equal partnership um, rather than a, a controlling one or, or one that's, you know, every couple has sort of the pursuer and the distancer, we call it. Um, mm-hmm. The distancer can often be the one who's in control. Uh, and I can get more into that in another podcast regarding um, the person who has control or the distancer is usually the lower desire partner when it comes to sex and intimacy. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a very interesting idea, but we can we can give our dilemmas meaning by saying that change is optimal for growth. And that doesn't come so easily. You, so would you say that the dilemmas kind of become tools? Yes. To grow and to move forward? Yes. Yeah, that's okay. a great point. It, they are the tools to to change. Um and it's like lifting weights. Uh, you know, we we have to do, we have to, I learned when I would go to the gym, you know, the trainer would say to me, well, you can't just, you know, jerk the weights up and down. I thought, oh yeah, this is cool. I'm going to make muscle and I'm just going to lift these weights, right? And I didn't know what I was doing. Right. So when, when we lift them slowly, you know, we're holding on to them, like we're holding on to the self, right? Which is good. And yet we're also letting go. And that also has to be intentional. Uh, that also has to be a mindful practice. And actually the letting go, interestingly, uh, is more, from what I understand, beneficial to building the muscle, to, to having more strength than even the, the holding on, which is a kind of an interesting I, metaphor. I find that interesting, too, because I feel like people are so afraid to argue or so afraid to have those difficult conversations because they shouldn't. Or they think that they shouldn't for whatever reason, but in actuality, those arguments, those difficult conversations, as long as you and your partner are coming to a positive outcome, it's actually just making the relationship stronger most of the time, I would think. Yes. And that that is connected to giving dilemma meaning because um, oftentimes what's happening is we're operating from core beliefs, right? Like women should accommodate. Uh, men should be strong and not weak. Um, you know, these, these, again, myths or, you know, societal, uh, stories that were handed down. Um, and if we can understand that we can change that to get a more equal partnership, again, it gives, it it can give our dilemmas meaning in that we, we can understand that it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to, uh, not be so strong as a man. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to be soft. Um, it's okay for women to not be so accommodating um, and maybe doing more than they need to be doing. It's okay for them to do for themselves. Um, these are themes that come up a lot in therapy that if I can sort of uh, see the theme as it's happening, I can help people catch it for themselves and then begin to make that change. Um, you know, again, it's like those simple metaphors of, you know, if you want to, if you want to get on an airplane and and get to your destination, um, you know, there's a lot to be done in the journey, right? You have to pack and you have to get to the airport. And I mean, we're not doing this now in COVID-19, I know, but, uh, and then get on that security. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, we have to get on that plane. We have to face our greatest fears, which to your point before, um, developing the ability to have conflict, right? To engage in the arguments and the discussions. It can be scary and we fear it. 
We don't want to upset the apple cart, rock the boat, but we have to rock the boat. And we, we want to get good at rocking the boat, meaning that uh, we, we need to then develop uh, authenticity, five elements, um, the ability to take risks, um, vulnerability, uh, strong interpersonal communication is the fourth one. And the last one, again, to your point, Vicki, is the idea of developing comfort in managing conflict. It's so important. The better or the more we do it, um, it doesn't get easier necessarily, but, but we get better at it. We learn how to zip the lip, take a breath, have the pause, hear our partner reflect rather than react, get curious, excuse me, not furious, all that stuff. And, and that is slowing down to gain the ground, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? That does make sense. It's like you're, you have to slow down to get more tools so that you can continue to build mm -hmm. in a mm -hmm. way. To add to, to add to the metaphors. <laughs> well, well, but it's the weightlifting thing. It's, it's the ripping, like from what I understand, when you are uh, lowering those weights, you're actually tearing your muscle, right? But in tearing the muscle down, you're building it up. Okay, so um, in addition to zipping the lip, um, you know, changing your tone is something that's also really important, becoming aware of our tone. Um, I know that's one that something I work I on. I always have to be aware of. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we all do, right? Ugh. We're sort of fighting for our lives, you know. Um, I talk about this in the next podcast, but... Again, that uh, that that inner limbic brain, boy, you know, you're running on a path, right? And you see a stick and for a split second, you think it's a snake. And so you jump. And this is what's going on with couples. We we for a split second, we'll see a lift of an eyebrow and go, oh, I'm being judged. And it happens so quickly. And then before you know it, we're escalating and arguing because we feel vulnerable. And then we go on attack. Right. 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 Um, so there, there's also this lovely metaphor, another one of the oyster. Um, you know, this stuff isn't easy. It's kind of like, it's not easy, but it's worth it because it's like the oyster. When the oyster soothes irritation from grains of sand, it produces a pearl. And so if we can get used to the idea that the conflict, walking through it and managing it and just doing it, uh, hopefully kindly as possible, um, and breathing as much as we can through it and hearing our partner and all that stuff, developing empathy. That's so key. Um, it's hard, but, but we can have marriage version two or the better marriage rather than version one and the old marriage or relationship, if that makes sense. So it sounds like you have to intentionally not take things personally. How, how do you have any tips for people to not take things personally? Because I feel like I know for myself, you know, in my own relationship, I always have to check my tone and I'm always picking up on those cues that might not necessarily be right to help me read the situation in front of me. So, you know, is, do you have any tips for people that are just baby steps trying to figure it out? Well, this is why couples therapy is so important, because... I can help a partner see their partner's old injuries, and we all have them. They're, they're called, uh, you know, small traumas, small T's, or large traumas, large T's. And when we can sit there and um, 
again, reflect on the story of our partner and, and begin to know them more and more and more. You know, I, had, I think I talked about this last time. I hope I'm not repeating myself, but I have a couple together 25 years. And she said, I know this sounds crazy, but, you know, I learned about this thing with him yesterday. And I was like, well, that's fantastic. We should keep learning. So the more we keep learning, the more we keep sharing about the things from our family of origin that affect why we behave the way we do now, we can start to see that that stuff isn't about us. The way our partner reacts is about them. And there's also a lovely little book on my website that I recommend to folks called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And he talks about how not to take things personally. Um, You know, know that it's not about you. Um, it, it, it affects you, your partner stuff affects you if you let it. Um, and I want to help clients think differently about this. Uh, I want them to learn, you know, where it's coming from in their partner. You know, I want them to start to learn about their partner's vulnerabilities and their own vulnerabilities. And when we begin to do that, we can step back a bit. We can begin to get some space. We can detach, if you will. Um, ironically, a lot of our stuff comes from attachment issues early on, and we can't help that as kids, but we can help that as adults. We can start to see it and step away from it. When you say detach, are you saying detach from those negative experiences that we're holding? Because you don't want to detach too much, right? No, you don't want to shut down. Uh, you don't want to stonewall like that. You want to detach enough, and it's about balance. You want to detach enough from your own story of what you think it's about and get curious about your partner and about yourself. And and a therapist can do that. A therapist can help folks do that um, by leading them and guiding them in, in those directions. Um, so all of that can lead to what... Uh, you know, Schnark calls grounded responding and meaningful endurance. Um, So when we begin to really work that stuff through, that's why I say, you know, couples therapy on average can take 16 sessions because it it takes quite a bit of time to undo these ingrained habits. Um, And sex is really important to... Uh, begin to come together and have more pleasurable moments that we engage in, that we can remember, that we look forward to. Uh, When it comes to sex therapy, Schnark talks about things like uh, sensate focus. This is a way of slowing down with sexuality and intimacy that gets them in touch with their own pleasure. Um, There's an exercise called hugging till relaxed, which is a kind of interesting one where couples um, stand barefoot barefooted or in their stocking feet, and they literally just kind of hold on to themselves while they're hugging each other, and they hug until their anxiety begins to subside and they feel more relaxed. And is, that, again, it's, is it because they, they match each other's breathing, or is it just the whole, the exercise as a whole? They might mass- match each other's breathing. Um, probably at first when they're doing it, they're not. Um, there's no, I don't think there's a conscious idea of matching breathing, but that probably would happen after some time. Um, but it's just this idea of, of of facing our fears around getting close, because when we get close, we're vulnerable. And when we're vulnerable, we tend to go into survival mode. And again, I want to take people from surviving to arriving, if you will. 
Uh, there's a lot of stuff I talk about next time that's um, the neuroscience regarding. Uh, it's a book Mo, uh, Mona Fishbane wrote um, called Loving with the Brain in Mind. That's just an absolutely gorgeous read uh, for people like me, maybe maybe <laughs> lay people, too. But uh, she, she really talks about, again, normalizing why we react as we do and, and how to change that. Cool. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, just this idea that the tolerating anxiety is is part of this. You know, anxiety is really normal. You know, people come in because they think they have to get rid of their anxiety. But, you know, worry, fear, stress resulting in anxiety is normal. Um, you know, when anxiety gets really bad, it can become panic. And I want to help people not not get so uh, ramped up that it, it that it gets to that. Um but, but learning how to manage conflict, tolerate anxiety, all of this is this idea behind slowing down to gain ground in the relationship. And it's a lovely process. And when we get there, we're sure glad we did. All right. So thank you so much for joining us again today. Uh, thank you, Vicki. Appreciate your time. And Paul and Justin in the back, you guys, awesome as always. Um, please find me on Facebook at The Sex and Couples Therapist. On Instagram, you can find me at The Happy Ending Therapist, and you can give me a call at 508-990-9909 at my office. And please remember, folks, to always make time for pleasure, play, and passion. See you next time.